and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Three o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo Show. We're live from the auction community studios on this Friday. Good to have Ringer in. Do want to remind you with the uh, World Cup uh, finals and the consolation game, the third place game coming up this weekend, ASU is hosting a free World Cup finals watch party on Sunday inside Sun Devil Stadium. The event is free, but advanced registration is required. So please visit ASU365communityunion.com. Again, that's asu 365 communityunion.com to register if you want some place to go watch the World Cup. I am fired up for that consolation game. For the consolation game? I'm kidding. I was going to say, really? You're all kinds of fired up about Croatia versus Morocco? <laughs> I'm kind of fired up about the finals. It's Of course. I, I, it's Soccer only grabs me once every four years, and, and it's it's got me. I'll, I'm going to get up, put on some coffee, make some pancakes, and watch the World Cup you're finals a, on Sunday you're in, a, you're in a football stranglehold, Bernsey? And, and then as soon as it's done, I'll revisit it in four years. It's done nothing to sink its claws in the meeting time before Do you know, that. it's 3.03, time for a History Minute with Tim Ring. The college basketball Final Four, NCAA, used to have a consolation game. It ended in 1979. I was going to say, I think mid-70s, late 70s. 1979. Yeah, a little, uh, you and I are about the same age. I don't remember the consolation game, but I remember that there was a consolation there game. There was a consolation game. I figured game. it probably went away before I really started getting into college basketball, which was more in like the mid-80s. So yeah, that, that sounds about right. Here, end of the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> the books are closed. <laughs> so, Suns and the Pelicans, tomorrow night at Footprint Center, for the last time during the regular season. This has turned into quite the thing, hasn't it? Suns Pelicans has turned into, quite surprisingly, I think, Suns Pelicans has now turned into this, you almost got to stop what you're doing and kind of watch when these two teams play each other. Whether it's Jose Alvarado versus Chris Paul, whether it's windmill dunks from Zion Williamson, whether it's a playoff series last year that was heated and hot, whether it's the fact that these are two elite teams in the Western Conference, suddenly this 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 very new fresh rivalry, right? Like this one feels like it just came out of the oven, is really interesting, really intriguing, and has become almost must watch. I'm kind of disappointed it's the last time they play during the regular season, and it's it's. Not- not contrived. It's organic. Yes, it's real. That's it. That's it. No, yes. I'm sorry. Continue. You're your very book. excited, no, Bernsey. No, because because that is something about it I hadn't thought of. Right. It's not. You know, oh, the Suns had the first pick in the draft, but they passed on Luca. Now Luca's hell bent for revenge. That's that's the kind of stuff that like ESPN PR people put together, right? Right. It's like. This stuff just happened kind of on its own. And it's not based on geography. Nope. It's based on mutual dislike. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, there's some commonalities between the two, namely the coaching staff, right, with with Willie Green and Monty. And it's kind of, you know, I mean, but that's not I really mean, I, why it exists, you know? There's a uh, – what's interesting about it is last year it was the Pelicans punching up. It was the Pelicans that were young and hungry, and they were taking their best swipe at the big, bad, number one seed Suns, and they gave the Suns all they could handle. And it took a superhuman effort by Chris Ball to vanquish them in six. Mm -hmm. But, oh, man, did Brandon Ingram give the Suns a series. Yes, he did. This year, Bernsey, the Pelicans aren't punching up. (laughs) They are the real deal. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Ingram's not even playing in those two games last week, and they handled the Suns. Now, I know the Suns have their own injury problems in those two games as well, 
But Zion Williamson's addition to that team last year that gave the Suns all they could handle. Yep. This Pelicans team, when it's all said and done, they could be the number one seed when playoff positions are doled out in April for the Western Conference playoffs. Very easily. Now, we could be deprived of some of the elements that make it fun. Jose Alvarado didn't play last night for the Pelicans in their loss to the Jazz. I don't know if he's going to be able to play tomorrow or not. Certainly his his reinsertion into the game tomorrow, if he plays, would, would you know him and Chris Paul uh, certainly had their thing, have their thing. I was reading a story about how, you know, last weekend in New Orleans, things got tense between Paul and Alvarado at the end of the game. There were elbows and stuff being thrown and all of that. Then you've got the windmill dunk from Zion Williamson last Friday night that had everybody up in arms at the end of that game. Uh, Mikel Bridges was on the old man in the three pod this week saying, no, I wasn't upset by Zion's dunk. I don't get that. I don't get, I don't even get it to this day about that whole sportsmanship. Like, like, bro, like, play it to the end. Like, I get it sometimes, but like, yeah, if you fired up in the team, you got a little rival with and all that stuff, like, yeah, you're going to play to the end. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, Go as crazy as you want. You want to dunk. You're at home. You want the crowd to go crazy. So 100%. And it's Zion, bro. The boy did a 360 windmill. Like, my dunk was just two hand behind the back. If I could 360 windmill, I would have done that hell too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the, the the Pelicans are no joke, Bernsey. And I, I think what's really concerning about potentially seeing these guys in the playoffs again, they don't fear the Suns. No. In fact, they think they're better than the Suns. And you can make the case right now, personnel-wise, they not only do they match up really well, they got some they got some dudes on that team. And unless the Suns refortify some of that bench through deals, Jay Crowder and otherwise, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, I'm not sure the Pelicans, man for man, aren't as good, if not a little better right now than the Suns. That's the fear. That's the fear. And they don't, they, they, is that they've passed the Suns. They don't fear the Suns. They think they're better than the Suns. Yeah. That's a real dangerous basketball yeah. team to play. The fear as a, as an observer of all of this is that, is that they're right, that they're better than the Suns. Now, is that, Accurate is that reality? We'll find out. I, I we'll see what ha- you know. We what we had last weekend was DeAndre Ayton saying, "Man, it's just the regular season. It's just December. Man, nobody plays for games." And uh, you know, trying to downplay the fact that the Pelicans did what they did a weekend ago to the Suns as as if just writing it off the way you would write off a loss on your taxes as you know December basketball. It's not that big of a deal. But you look at that roster. You look at the way it's constructed. You look at that roster when it's at its best in. This this roster when it's at its best, talking about the Suns. And I think there is a case to be made that they have passed the Suns. And that's the that's the fear here is that is that this rivalry, you know, it, it was it was fun as long as the Suns were winning. Last weekend was like, ooh, wait a minute. Are they actually the better team now? Again, I'm not saying definitively they are, but there's a case to be made with their roster and, and the way they're built that maybe they have because they if it's all about your one-two punch. And if that's what kind of separates elite teams in this league, could I not make the argument that the one-two punch that the Pelicans have when they're at their best of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson is better than Devin Booker and Chris Paul? Could I make that case? 
Well, they're more lethal. They certainly are right now. They certainly are now. I mean, a lot of that depends on Chris. Right. And and the version of Chris that we're going to get at the end of the season. You know, that, that that's part of this conversation. But but they're God, they're good. Now, I know they just lost two in a row in Utah. And, uh, okay, you know, maybe we, they're talking New Orleans that, hey, maybe they're they're cooling off a little bit. And maybe they're not going to come in here and, and work the Suns like they did last weekend. But, man, those games are fresh in our heads from a weekend ago. And, and they... They got after the Suns real good on Friday night. And, of course, they didn't have Booker on Sunday. But, well, it's fun. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Really looking forward it's to funny. it. It's funny. You know, and Monty Williams has been saying the same thing. I mean, the Boston Celtics come in here, and they look like a combination of the 86 Celtics and the 92 Bulls. And they go out and they lose two straight games. Of course. It got worked. So this is December basketball. Yes. And one last thing before we hit the break. The Suns roster is not completed yet. This is not not only I mean I'm not and I'm not talking about Cam getting back and Chris getting back into shape and being the best version of himself. Jay. There will be other bodies on this team when they face the Pelicans if they do in the postseason. Yep. Mark my words. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, another story off the field is putting a very negative light on the Arizona Cardinals on it. What about what's happening on the field? We'll talk about that next. Tim Ring filling in for Gambo here on the Burns and Gambo show. By 72 Souls, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So again, we circle back to what is our top story of the day on the Burns and Gambo show with the understanding, A, that Tim Ring's filling in for Gambo today, and it's always a pleasure to have Tim in here, with the understanding that at this point, it's it's a, a request for arbitration that has been filed on behalf of Sean Kugler, and it's a fairly, I think, strongly worded statement from the Cardinals when you kind of peel back the layers a little bit. Football Friday with Burns and Scared me there for a second. It's all right. It's all good. A fairly strongly worded statement from the Cardinals when you peel back the layers a little bit of of the Sean Coogler situation. Basically, Sean Coogler is, through an attorney, is... Um, he is requesting arbitration for his dismissal from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he is citing multiple claims against the Cardinals on behalf of their former offensive line coach, Sean Coogler. Um, quote, the allegations against Coach Coogler are simply untrue and have caused Sean, his wife, and family enormous personal and professional damage. Coach and his family have been desperate to understand from the Cardinals' front office and others what rationale or evidence was used to terminate him for cause. Coogler stated, quote, that was a Quote from the attorney, the mysterious allegations by the Cardinals are untrue and I want to clear my name, be it a miscommunication or mistaken identity. My family and I will cooperate fully and honestly with the NFL Cardinals or any other agency to get to the truth in this matter. Close quote. Cardinals released a statement as an ongoing legal matter. It writes, we are going to refrain from comment other than to say that the team is confident the process will result in a much different set of facts than those presented today and that it had good cause to terminate Mr. Kugler's employment, close quote. So 
Now it goes to court. Now it becomes a legal issue. Sean Coogler was let go the day of the Mexico City game, that Monday night game against the, the 49ers. He was sent home, sent on a plane, didn't coach in the game. And now he's challenging that. He's challenging. Says he's innocent. Says innocent. Didn't do what they said he did. And, and the Cardinals say, no, we've got, we, we, we will show you that we had really good cause to terminate your employment. And now we find out who's right, who's wrong, who's lying, who's not. Yeah, we and there's... We're we were in a tough position because we just we just don't know the facts. We know that we can say with great certainty somebody's not telling the truth. That we can say. We can also, and we're just unfortunately we're left to do this to kind of pick apart the statement by Kugler and his attorney in this situation. And you talk about miscommunication. And mistaken identity. In other words, Kugler is saying, you know, listen, I'm, I, I, I was there, but maybe something I did was was misconstrued or mis- something I did was miscommunicated, mm-hmm. their word, mm-hmm. or mistaken identity. In other words, it wasn't me. It was me. It was somebody who looked like me. And the Cardinals' statement, essentially, to use playground terms, is what Sean Kugler said right there today, he's full of crap. That's wrong. He's lying. And we got, we got, and we'll show it. And we, we got proof. Yeah, we'll show it. And we were right to terminate him. Yeah. And that'll all come out. And this is a very unfortunate situation because you're dealing with, with spouses and you're dealing with children and you're dealing with people getting fired. And, you know, when you're dealing with arbitration, Dave, a lot of times you're dealing with, you know, is this about money? I'm sure Sean Kugler is trying to save his marriage and trying to save his career. And there might be a financial component mm-hmm. to this in terms mm-hmm. of trying to get paid. Well, what he's owed from the Arizona Cardinals. So, aside from all that, there's not a whole hell of a lot we can add to this no, thing. Until we don't know. We don't. And until more details come out, and, and when they come out, I assure you we'll have more to say about it. But until they come out, it's it's hard to know what to say about it because we don't know. We've got one side saying one thing, another side saying another. And what we've got is this bigger picture of what we all know to be going on with the Arizona Cardinals. This has just been the worst year maybe the organization has ever had to endure. I, I mean, it, it, it's it, to the point where to, to where it's it's almost you wake up every day and it's almost like a what now kind of feeling. You know, what am right. I going to what am I going to read today? What what's going to come out today? What's going to happen today? What's going to happen on right? I mean, it just it's been and there's still four games left in the season. There's still oh. a quarter of the season left. There was a story today on the Ringer website uh, by Benjamin Solak, who um, some of his stuff is really, really good. When it, a lot of his stuff is really good when it comes to the NFL. And the, the headline of the story is the Cardinals are in a hole. And, and there's much of what's in here has been talked about ad nauseum about kind of the state of the organization right now about the roster, its construction, Cliff, the reason why it's failed under Cliff, and and everything that they need to do about it. And, and it, it, there's some. There's some points in here that I would say are ways of thinking about it that we haven't necessarily thought about it or we haven't necessarily talked about it in in this regard. Um, One of which is I thought it was really interesting. They had almost basically a list of all the free agents they've had for the organization who are playing elsewhere and all the free agents that they signed. They said you can make an argument that the free agents who are gone are better than the ones they've signed. Right. They, they, They also made the point that really the whole reason for Cliff Kingsbury's existence as the coach of the Cardinals 
Bengals is to have one of the best passing offenses in the National Football League. They don't. And if they don't have that, there's no reason for Cliff Kingsbury to be your coach. That's the whole point of him being here. Yeah, he really he really peeled back the numbers and said, look, if, if, if Cliff is not succeeding in at least that one area, then why is he here? Yes. And he looked at his record at Texas Tech, and he looked at all that other stuff, and leader of men, and all that stuff that goes into coaching. Like The one reason Kingsbury was hired after getting fired at Texas Tech was because he can put up yards and points through the air. Yep. And he's not doing that and here. If that's not happening, then you just have to wonder what is the point. And then part of the article also was it's not for a lack of attempting to give him weapons and this is not necessarily Cliff Kingsbury's fault, but it's been an organizational failure in terms of what they've done. And they've drafted Andy Isabella in the second round, Hakeem Butler in the fourth round, A.J. Green in free agency, Rondell Moore in the second round, Robbie Anderson sending a couple of picks to the Panthers uh, to get him. So they, they've talked about you know acquiring receivers with, with draft capital or mm-hmm. draft picks that are not producing out there on the field. And then there's the linebacker issue, letting a guy like Devondra Campbell go in free agency to the Packers, who becomes a first-team All-Pro, and Hassan Reddick leave via free agency, who you drafted in the first round, who goes on to be one of the best edge rushers in the National Football League. They also made the point, and this is something we've talked about before, about whether... The state of Kyler right now with his knee injury and the uncertainty about when he's going to play. If that is, if that works against them in pursuing a new coach, if indeed that is the path they take. Is Kyler's, you know, not knowing how much of this offseason you're going to get with him in terms of his rehab, in terms of coming back from the injury, has Kyler's injury now put a limit on what kind of coach they can go get this offseason. That was a suggestion made in the story, and that was something that Gambo and I have talked about. Do you have any thoughts about whether Kyler's injury changes the equation when it comes to coaches that would be interested in the Cardinals if they were to make a change this offseason? I don't know. I've, I've heard that debate. I've heard you guys talk about it. It depends on the coach. I can't get into a given coach's mind. Let's be honest. I think everybody's talking about Sean Payton. When you talk about that, I would think any offensive coordinator out there would jump at a chance to be a head coach, whether or not Kyler Murray's hurt for a while or not. Mm -hmm. So I think we're really talking about Sean Payton when we talk about that. Like you offer Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator with the Lions, who's making whatever, and you bump his salary up five million bucks a year, he's not going to say no because Kyler Murray's hurt for a while. Absolutely. Okay, so we're really talking about Sean Payton when yep. we talk about this discussion. I don't know. It, it, I can't get inside Sean Payton's head, so all we can do is speculate. I would like to think that if this is a place Sean Payton wants to be, if he believes in the ownership, if he believes in a healthy Kyler Murray, if it's a place him and his family want to live, if he thinks he can win here, if he's got the support of ownership, if he thinks the bones of a roster are there, he has complete control. Money talks like the pay, the pay, the, the salary is right. Mm-hmm. It's the number he's looking for. If Kyler Murray's going to miss 10 months, that's a deal breaker. Because Sean Payne is not going to know if Kyler Murray is not coming back the same quarterback. I guess I don't. Is that is that enough to shy him to, for him to shy away from the job? I mean, I, I, 
You know, I know we're up against the break, but I, I just I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to think that. I'd like to think that it wouldn't. I'd like to think that it wouldn't either. I'd like to think that it wouldn't. But I don't know. I think those other things I just listed, salary, power, quality of life, place to live. People like living here. Don't yeah. underestimate that when you get a little older in life. You know, and do you believe that ownership will give you the support you need to build a Super Bowl champion? And if you think Kyler Murray can come back and be the same quarterback and you want to coach Kyler Murray, just because he's going to be out for 10 months shouldn't blow up the whole deal. You would think. We'll talk more about this a little later. I want to get a little deeper, especially into the Sean Payton thing. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, Josh Okoge has been great in times of need for the Phoenix Suns, for the whole bench, really. There's a but on the other side of that, and we'll get into that next with Tim Ring here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tim Rings in for Gambo here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns beat the Clippers last night, ending their five-game losing streak, getting back in the win column against a Clippers team that was sitting a whole bunch of guys. It was The Suns dropped by 27 at half. They got cold in the third quarter. Um, the Clippers made a little bit of a run. Suns got it back up to 20 in the fourth quarter. Just kind of coasted in from there. Mikel Bridges probably played more minutes than he should have in a game like that, given that they were up 27 and a half. Devin Booker probably didn't need to be put back into that game in the fourth quarter like he was, but he was because you know, he didn't have a great shooting night last night. Bottom line is the Suns against a seriously shorthanded Clippers team got a win, and now the, the schedule heat gets turned up. you got the Pelicans tomorrow. you got games against the Grizzlies coming up. you got a couple of those. you got a couple games against the Cavaliers coming up. you got the Nuggets on Christmas night. That's not going to be easy. We'll, there'll be more challenges and more tests, and then more opportunities for the Suns bench depleted as it might be they we got to give Josh Okogie the love for a couple of minutes here because he is what a hustler he, yeah. he's he is I'll, I'll say this he is a lot of fun to watch because he is one of those guys who plays with a high 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 motor at all times and basketball fans love dudes like that always love dudes like that he had 11 points 11 rebounds last night Burns but he had, he had six offensive rebounds but it's the way he plays the game I mean he, he's going 120 miles an hour the whole entire time I mean he is a scrapper he's a hustler and honestly to be fair to Josh I mean he makes up for the fact that he just doesn't shoot the ball all that great so he does a lot of little things to to get him minutes on the court he played 25 minutes last night. His minutes have been going up a lot lately because they needed him to play. Yes. They need him to play. They're, they're a depleted team right now with all with all the injuries lately. Having said all that, obviously, the Suns right now, from a bench standpoint, are lacking from a scoring punch standpoint. And that's really hurting them. Mm-hmm. And as good as Okogie is as a scrapper and Damian Lee can knock down a three if he's all by himself and has his feet set and he's a weapon in that regard and Landry Shamit has his moments but can be as hot and cold as anybody in the league. Right. This bench right now it's it scares me when you go up against the better teams in the league because there is a serious drop off and let me tell you something what defined the Suns when they were rolling to 64 wins, is when that bench came in, 
Not only did they hold the fort, they extended leads. When you brought the cams in, and last year when JaVale McGee was at his best, and guys guys like that were were, were, were putting the ball in the basket, and they were extending leads. The, the Suns bench was really something something special. Like last night, you look out there at some at some point, and you got Ish Wainwright, Nakogi, and Landale, and Lee, and Shamit, and that's fine against the the Spurs and their G League roster, <laughs> and that might be fine against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You know, when the, when they're resting, it's kind of a G League roster they're rolling out starters. there last night. Yeah, but you're going to see on Saturday night against the Pels, and when the schedule gets tougher, God bless Josh Okogi. And he can hustle all he wants, but the you know the inability to consistently put the ball in the basket is going to hurt the Suns team. Yeah, and th- and that's why going forward, you know, you need to get Cam Johnson back healthy as soon as possible, obviously, and you need to do something with Jay Crowder. Yeah, and you need to figure out what you're doing with that bench because when you get let's forget the playoffs, but just when you play better teams coming up in the next few weeks and the rest of the season. You need more pop, Bernsey. Yep. You need more scoring pop yeah. off that bench. That group is not going to be good enough. There's going to be a drop-off. And let me tell you something. Yes, Okogie's minutes have gone up lately. Yeah, the Suns also lost six or seven of those games. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I, I look, happy to see him playing well, but there is, there's almost a correlation here, too, right? Where And, and it's, a, it's, it's like a, it's a bad time to have this conversation. Campaign's hurt. He's a big key guy off that bench. Cam Johnson's hurt. We had James Jones on Wednesday. He made it sound like we're still a few weeks away from Cam Johnson coming back. So Torrey Craig's still going to be a starter for a few weeks. The key thing to me is, is Jay and the continued delay in dealing Jay. Yes. And that's, Gimbo and I had, at the very end of the show, Gimbo and I had this conversation about Jay. And, and, and here's the thing to me when it comes to Crowder, is that is that you can talk about wanting to maximize value in a return for a trade for Jay. And I get it. You, you want to make sure you can get everything you can get in a deal for Jay. But if we're going to use like a house for sale metaphor here, okay, Jay Crowder is not a house that you put on the market that you decide, you know what, we're not getting the offers we'd like for this house. Let's pull it back. Let's take it off the market. We'll just live in it. It's okay. Jay Crowder is a house you have to sell. You have to sell. You're moving to another city. The house has got to go, right? right. You, you you can't verbo it. You, you, you can't turn it over to Airbnb. You've Got to trade Jay Crowder because it's illogical for you to do anything otherwise. So at some point, the Suns are going to have to take, even though it might not be the the deal they love, they're going to have to take a deal on Jay Crowder because they have no choice. The only other option is to let him sit and rot not playing for anybody all year long, and what well, good has that happen. done you? That can't happen. No, you just saw me checking my watch. I was checking the calendar, actually, not the time, because we have passed now December 15th. Or, was yesterday bit. was the magic day, yes. Okay, and there's going to be another magic day. So so the pool is going to start getting bigger. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I hope and pray it's a guy that actually helps them win meaningful games, not only during the regular season, but the postseason. Like, individually, I like all these guys. I like Akogi. I like Landell. I, I like Lee. I like Shamit. Hmm? But when collectively they're all on the court together, that's not going to be good enough. No, but you, but you know what you need? Kind of like, 
Kind of like how you need a bench with like Cam Johnson that, and that, Cam Payne. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> you, you. You have okay. So you have your starters. Devin Booker's a top ten player in this league, top fifteen player in this league. He needs a guy next to him who's a top twenty or twenty five player in this league, right? For the Suns to truly be good, the bench kind of needs the same thing. You can have the Damian Lees and the Josh Okogies of the world. You can have, but they need. A centerpiece around them that is by far the best player on that bench. I don't even know who the best player on the Suns bench is right now. I wouldn't even know who to say. Oh, that's the that's the number one guy. It, it's campaign when he's healthy. It's, it's campaign. But 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 when he's not healthy, and even when he's there, that in and of itself probably isn't enough to come off the bench. You, you need to build your bench around two high quality guys that are going to be your main guys on that bench. They don't have that right no. now. And remember. Bernsey, this was an issue when everybody was healthy because Cam Johnson went to the starting lineup and as good as Torrey Craig is and does a lot of little things very, very well, he ain't Cam Johnson on the bench coming up when it comes to scoring punch. Right. So they lost a lot of that this year compared to last year. That's why, you know, when Boyan Bogdanovich was, was available... And I know that Jazz probably said, you know, the Suns, you guys don't have anything that we would want. And that's probably why they couldn't pull the trigger on a deal. But, like, that's the guy. That's the guy. That was the, That's a professional score. Go out and get you 30 on any given night. That's the guy. That guy with campaign centered around a bench. Now we're talking. Now we're talking because because then it minimizes what you're asking of the Josh Okogis of the world. It minimizes what you're asking of the Damian Lees of the world. Those guys can be more complimentary players. You're asking those guys to be your main guys off the bench. They are miscast in those roles. Yeah, miscast. So when we come back, well, let me remind you first, we've got the Burns and Yambo Show podcast. You can subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. The NFL playoff chase is really coming into focus. The games that you're going to want to pay attention to this weekend. We'll talk about them next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, maybe not for the Cardinals. And if you want to get sad for a moment, think back to this time a year ago. The level of importance we were putting into every single game on a Sunday when you were 10 and 2, 10 and 3, what it meant, seeding, positioning, were you going to win the division, were you going to win the West? You're going to make me cry. I know. No, I'm not, you're not going to make me cry, boy. You're not going to make me cry. I'm going to try not to make you cry. This year, it's very different. There are four games left for the Cardinals. It feels like an absolute eternity, given everything that's gone on on the field, off the field, everything that's gone on in the calendar year of 2022. The fact that there's still a quarter of the season left just feels like it's going to take us forever to get there. Because as we've said many times, and we'll say it again, at this point, the most important date on the calendar for the Cardinals is the day after the season ends. We're all all just counting down to January 9th. What happens on January 9th? That's all all we're waiting for. That being said, it doesn't mean that there aren't games all over the place this weekend that bear attention, right? That bear like like our our big games and fun games. And in some ways, you know, if you're 
Cardinals fan, it's a little bit liberating this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure you'll still keep an eye on the Cardinals, but it gives you the opportunity to really sample around and see what else is going on out there because there are some big deal games going on this weekend, and probably none. Why? Well, just what well, you get your hand up. You got well, one in particular? Go- well, no, I was going to say now that college football is in the books and the Army Navy game is over, you've got three NFL games on Saturday. Tomorrow, Bernsey, don't forget. You got the Colts and the Vikings, you've got the Ravens in Cleveland, and you've got a big one tomorrow night in Buffalo in the AFC East. The Bills host the Dolphins. All three of those games, by the way, on the NFL Network, a triple header on the NFL Network. So you've got NFL football on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The Dolphins-Bills was where I was going to start because the weather, you talk about a game like that and you hate to turn into, you know, you worked in TV for for forever. You hate to turn into the person standing in front of the green screen, you know, pointing out the low pressure system and everything. But that's kind of what this game is all about. The Tua Tungavailoa has never won a game in weather like this. He's never played well in a game with weather like this. Everything about it, there's going to be huge snow in Buffalo. It's going to be one of, and for that reason alone, I can't wait to watch this game because I love watching games in conditions like that, right? It's always a lot of fun. Even though, even if it might be a crappy game, I still love watching games in conditions like that. There's no way guys who live in Florida, live in Miami, are no going to go up there and play well in those conditions. No I'm way. not saying it's guaranteed the Bills are going to win the game, but the Dolphin players ain't going to like it. <laughs> no, they're not. And they're probably going to be affected by it. Dolphins have lost eight straight games where the kickoff temperature is 40 or below. Yes. Tua has never won or played well in a game where temperatures are under 50 degrees. Wasn't... Uh, Dude, it's it's real. That, it, it, oh, of it's, course it's, it's real, totally man. Real. And to be honest, uh, I feel the same way about the Cardinals. If the Cardinals had to go play in conditions like that, they're not built for that. They're not ready for conditions. If they play in a dome, they play in a city where it's 61 degrees outside right now and you're wearing a Columbia sweater vest. I, I mean, it's like we're, 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 we're wimps when it comes to stuff like that. You're going to go to Buffalo and play football for three hours? Right. Get the hell out of here. It's, you're not. It's 60 degrees out. For all of us, it feels like, like you're, it's You're wearing 30. a flannel shirt and a oh Columbia God, it's fleece, so cold. like sleeveless thing. I mean, it's not that cold in here, Tim. And I'm, I'm, from, Chica- and I'm from Chicago. <laughs> what the and hell I'm, happened to you? What's I'm, wrong I'm, with you? I've completely changed. <laughs> I can't take it. You have changed. No, but like we you know, but think about it. I mean, listen, the Dolphins are are are, are a good team. You know, but the Cardinals were technically a Super Bowl team when they went to New England. <laughs> and was it forty seven and seven? I will never because it was snowing. As long as I live, I will never forget that game. I will never hell, forget that get game. Get me the hell out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't I mean, want to be listen, here. I worked in Green Bay. For the better parts of three seasons, and we used to watch teams come in, and they didn't have to be from warm weather cities. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys came in one year, Aikman and Emmett and those guys. It was, you know, like ten below. And yeah, they, they, it would melt. The game was a freeze. Yeah, they, they they fumbled on like the first two plays. I mean, they wanted no part of playing in that crap. Sunday afternoon, the Bengals taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, this is a lot of people have been kind of promoting this game as old Tom Brady versus young Tom Brady. Like Joe Burrow is is about to become the next Tom Brady and maybe this is like a time machine kind of game here. The Bucs are still somehow in first place in that division with their 6-7 and record. Don't look now. The Carolina Panthers might be coming for them with their 5-8 and record. Uh, They were humiliated last week. The Bucs were against the 49ers and the Bengals 
The Bengals are starting to play like they're that team that, I mean, trying to figure out who among them, the Chiefs and the Bills, are going to win the AFC. Good luck with that because the Bengals have hit their stride. They're playing about as well as they've played in that regime right now. They're looking really good. The goal for those three teams is to be the team that doesn't have to play one of those teams. Amen. Before That's it. Before you AFC play the other championship yep, game, because two of those three teams yes. are going to be in the AFC championship game. Yes, somebody who skating, gets to be the yes. one to avoid the other the weekend before. Somebody skating by. Yep. That's it. No, without having to play the other team. That's exactly it. And that's why those games matter so much in the AFC, the pecking order to see who gets to be the one, who's the two, who's the three, who's at, you know, who's at home, who's on the road. Is that game in Buffalo? Is that game in the Natty? Is that game in Kansas City? They're all cold weather cities, some, you know, to varying degrees, but oh, absolutely. That's why the seating so much matters in the AFC when it comes to one, two, three. It's going to be fascinating. I st- I've always thought it was Buffalo's year. I still do. Gun to my head, I take the Bills. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I that the Joe Burrow, the Chiefs have a Joe Burrow problem, do they not? They do. And then again, I wouldn't beat them. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Mahomes back in the Super Bowl. Giants and the Commanders on Sunday night. Uh, two teams hanging on for their playoff lives right now. Um, the winner of this game is in a real good spot to make the playoffs as a wild card. The Giants have been falling apart the last month, month and a half of the season. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna conjoin this game with. Another game going on this weekend that I think is equally as important, especially given that Seattle lost last night. The six and seven Lions at the seven and six New York Jets. I'm telling you right now, the Lions are making the playoffs. Oh, come on now. The Lions okay. are making the playoffs. Seattle's got Kansas City next week. The Giants can't win to save their lives recently. The Commanders might make it, but there's, there's, like, you look at that battle for the last spot in the NFC. I think the Lions have won five of six. I believe you're correct. And I think they started out one and six. And their schedule is not that tough. It's not that tough. So the Lions have somehow cobbled together. And this is a credit to their new offensive coordinator, young man named Ben Johnson. They have cobbled together a top five offense and a top five scoring offense here in 2022 behind Jared Goff. Now that, to me, is nothing short of remarkable. Yeah. The Giants scheduled down the stretch at Washington, at Minnesota, home against the Colts, at the Eagles. Say that again. At Washington, at Minnesota, home against the Colts, at the Eagles. Seattle's schedule down the stretch. They lost to San Francisco last night at Kansas City. Loss. Home against the Jets. Eh. Home against the Rams. Win. Okay. And then the Lions schedule so down be, the stretch. That, so the, for the Seahawks, that Jets game will determine whether or not they finish a game over 500 or under 500. Meanwhile, the Lions, they're at the Jets this weekend. They're at Carolina. They're home against Chicago. They're at Green Bay. Okay. Look, I I, I, I find myself kind of rooting for the Lions a little bit, so I'm probably going with my heart on this one. I just think the Giants are no good, and I think Seattle's hit a wall. Well, I think the, the, the Giants have always been a bit of a... I mean, they haven't been a paper tiger, but they were just—they were living on the edge. Yes, they were living on the edge. 
the Panthers are a remarkable story, Burns. I mean, not only did they fire my, uh, Matt Rule, but they, they traded away Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And they're still in it. And Steve Wilkes might get that job permanently. And they're in it, not because they just gone on this oh, roll. They're, they're still five and eight. They're in it because they're, right. they're, they're in the NFC South. That's right. The right. They're still five and eight. Yeah. yeah. And now Steve Wilkes is probably because Tampa is so bad. Wilkes is probably going to end up getting that job. The top stories of the day, all in one place. The 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.